Welcome to Transform and Thrive. Your host, Helen Lee, examines the opportunities and practical solutions for individuals and organizations to transform and thrive in these times. She shares her wisdom and that of other changemakers impacting our world. Tune in for innovative and holistic tools and empowering strategies to reinvent yourself and or your organization and flourish in a world facing different crises. Hi, this is Helen Lee. Welcome to Transform and Thrive. We had an hour and a half interview with Mei Sim, the premier psychological astrologer in Asia. She regularly runs webinars that draw thousands of people from all over the world. They are very insightful and comprehensive and presented very well with charts and data to support the messages and points she makes. They are more often than not three to six hours long and give incredible value. This is part two of my interview with her and in this episode, I asked May about how people will survive and even thrive in the coming years in what is astrologically known as the Air Era, with the Earth Era already ending two years ago, without people even knowing about, let alone understanding, what these two eras mean and why it is important for us to adapt to what this new period of time demands of us. To reiterate the introduction I made of May in part one, for the benefit of those who haven't listened to the previous episode as yet, I'd like to share with you the following. May has been a psychological astrologer for the last 16 years. She has been helping thousands of clients with their life purpose and career and teaching astrology to people from more than 26 countries. She's the first Asian to graduate from the International Academy of Astrology in the US and is even a member of their faculty now, amazingly creating their syllabus for psychological astrology. May's own self-astrology academy is the top psychology astrology academy in Asia. She was gutsy enough to leave a general manager position at age 24 to pursue entrepreneurship in astrology. The bold move has brought her clients who are high-flying executives, business owners and others, supporting them to transition from dissatisfying jobs to empowering and fulfilling work that allows them to use their strengths, which she helps them identify in the first place. May has also been engaged by government bodies and major corporations in Singapore to speak on world patterns, trends, and potential future events and probable directions. Enjoy our discussion. So what I want to ask you is, you know, bearing in mind what you said earlier about uh, people in the U.S., God bless them, uh, how, how is everyone worldwide, how, you know, going to survive? For me, the way I see it is that the consciousness must be raised and, yeah. and therefore the higher intelligence, you know, must be there. And then we would think differently and then act differently, mm -hmm. right? Instead of squabbling, instead of, 
being so narrow and you know I'm right you're wrong and all that you know etc so so that's one and the other one is that you know I'm very interested for for you to also tell us a bit it's related to the first one uh, about the air era and how people can or need to adjust and shift into that and embrace it fully in order to thrive right yeah. Well, I think for the benefit of your listeners, uh, I should probably explain what is this about the Earth era and the Air era. So as you all know, I'm an astrologer. And that means that uh, one of the things that I study is what we call mundane astrology. And and I look at how planets are sort of, they, they sort of go into a bit like a holding pattern, which lasts for a long time. So in this case, there is a pattern, uh, I'll spare you the, the technical details, but there's a pattern that goes between Jupiter and Saturn. And for a period of about 250 years, that they had been in what we call the Earth signs. So the Earth signs happen to be Taurus, Virgo and Capricorn. Now, Earth is an element that tends to deal with things like the tangibles. And it's about things like production, it's about things like monetary value, uh, and making sure that when you, when you have a an employee in the, in the factory, you want to squeeze the employee for the maximum number of hours and the maximum number of uh, uh, TVs that he can produce and sell as much of it as possible at the highest price that's possible. And I think as the world moved into the Earth era, and this, this transition happened in the late 70s. So if, if you think about it, in the late 70s was when um, the Industrial Revolution began. So that's where uh, you started to get people doing dealing with machines. The steam engine was invented just around that time. Uh, and I think there were a lot of other social changes as well. So you saw that previously, it wasn't so important for people to go to school because most people just, they had a trade within the family and then you would learn that trade and that's how everybody made a living. That was how it was in the olden days. It doesn't matter what country you're from. But later on, what happened was that this idea of jobs employment because then factories showed up and the idea is that to get economies of scale you wanted to build it as big as possible and then of course then they invented the steam engine which meant that we had railways and then railways and then after that you had steamships and then you also had uh, much later on you had things like aeroplanes so the point being was that people were able to move across very large uh, distances which means that you were not limited within your family so if your family was a was in the baking business, for example, you were not limited by that. And a lot of young people at the time were very seduced and very attracted by this idea of going to a city where you would work for a big boss and then you would climb this corporate ladder. You wanted to make sure your parents started talking about you getting a degree and that you would go to work for a large corporation and uh, hopefully to make lots of money and buy lots of properties. And so that was the that was the industrial dream for the longest time. Now it is the earth era because as you can see, a lot of it is is it revolves around the idea of production and uh, maximizing ROI. So that means if you have this amount of time, then how much do you produce out of it? And for the longest time, this was very positive for the world because it raised living standards for people worldwide. So it's like while clothes, for example, used to be very expensive to produce, then it became a lot cheaper because then the, the factories are producing it at, at mass, right? And also, um, of course, people talked about how there were improvements in health and there were improvements in living conditions, generally speaking. So that, that was like the good stuff. But I think as with all eras, so as an astrologer, I study eras across um, hundreds, thousands of years. 
And as with all errors, and uh, if I may be quite cynical, humans just tend to screw things up. So yeah. at first, at first it was good. And then people started to realize that, oh, you know, we're better with healthcare. So people don't die so, so early now. Isn't that nice? And that we don't die from leprosy and tuberculosis and that kind of thing. But I think it got to a point where once you pass this line for production, once people start to be overworked so bad, that um that making money is the be all and end all of everybody's existence. That it's um you basically put your nose to the grindstone and do whatever you can to hustle for every dollar that you can you can get your hands on. I think that's when perhaps we've crossed that line into we forgot what it was like to have to actually have a life <laughs> and that your life is now um pretty pretty much determined by your income and your bank account, which um is what you're talking about with this rise of this spirituality movement is also that people, like, like I said, it's the law of the universe, isn't it? The more materialistic people become, then there's this opposite thrust where people are saying that, well, is life a little bit more than just, you know, how much you made last month? You see, yeah. so... I think yeah. the pandemic showed people that, that there's, there's a whole lot more that we need to look at. Exactly. So I think... It's uh, as and what happened in the 1980s, very interestingly, was that the air era began. So, I, I know lots of people who watch my webinars think that the, the air era began in 2020, but it actually didn't. It actually started in the 1980s. So, that's around the time I was born. And that's where the you got technology showing up. That I remember as a kid when I, when I had a computer in my house for the very first time, it was, you know, it just blew people's minds. And you would go to a, a store, and then the guy wouldn't sort of write down your purchases in a book, that he actually had a cash register that did it automatically for him. And that, that was pretty crazy for a lot of people. At the time so and of course as we all know the technology moved really quickly after that but what was interesting is that technology has been the game changer ever since the 1980s so it's been a disruptor in almost every industry we can think of and i think it's also started to make people question and i think around now is when we start to realize that wow if technology moves the way it does it's going to eliminate the need for for human intervention because at some point the AI does things better than you can, right? It thinks better than you can. It doesn't make mistakes and it doesn't stop working. It works 24-7. So that's where I think ever since the 1980s, the, the futurist people who have been thinking ahead have started to foresee this right from the very start. That does this then not eliminate the need for education now? Because do you really need an engineer to sort of do manual calculations when you could just press a button and get it done? Or better still, that the AI, AI just does it automatically without you even pressing the button anymore. So I think uh, what really happened in the night in, in 2020 and why my webinars drew thousands of people was I, I suggested that the Earth era ended with 2020. So that's that's the scary part. So it's not so much that the air era began. We've had the air era for the last 20, 30 years now. But what's scary for a lot of people is that the earth era disappeared. And that means, so in, in real terms, what does it mean? Is that it's not enough for a factory to just keep producing stuff. And the young people aren't interested to go there and assemble TVs anymore. Nobody's interested in, the, in that job. And it also means that if you tell somebody, hey, this is why you should invest in my company because we'll put $10,000 here and I'll give you $50,000 in, in a couple of years' time. And I think in the past, it used to be that this was enough for people that you had a, a good return on investment. But nowadays, if you go to an investor, more and more, perhaps maybe not so much of the, the older generation, but more and more people are asking, what does your company do? Yeah. Do I do I resonate with 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 your values because I don't like what your company is doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
you may be able to give me a $50,000 return on investment, but yeah, that, that doesn't gel with, it doesn't vibe with me, right? I, I don't want to support what your company is doing. And I think also, it's, uh, it's also important as you look at young people now, and, and I think it's, it's blowing a lot of HR people's minds because it used to be that you would go to a young person, you offer them a really good salary, you throw a lot of benefits at them, health benefits, dental benefits, free trips and all that stuff, and that people would just flock to your company. It used to be like that. And nowadays, people are asking questions. They want to know what the company does. Do I believe in your course? And, uh, and you notice how many people are willing to work in startups. They want to be part of the story they, they want to create. And, and they want to know that their values are being uh, shared with the world and that they're contributing to a, a story that they, they can get behind. So I think, um, and I, I suppose salary is, is still, it's always important because people still have to live, but it's not the number one thing anymore. And I think that's the part that a lot of companies are like struggling to wrap their heads around. And it's, it's the reason why, I mean, if you see with some of the recent headlines that some companies are literally throwing money at their employees to make them stay. And the employees are like, you know what? I'm leaving anyway. <laughs> and, and this is, it's, it's not something that companies understand. And especially as they try to do engagement and they try asking young people, so what is it that you want? And you know, that's why headlines were going with Bloomberg and with CNN. It's like, what do these millennials want? And I think when, when they say things like, well, I, I want to be involved in a cause. And you know, that's where this gigantic question mark shows up with the big companies because it's like, what kind of cause do you want? Isn't it enough that we're, we, look, we just made a few billion dollars last year. <laughs> and it's like, and it doesn't make any sense to them that young people aren't interested in that anymore. Well, they need us, May. <laughs> <laughs> But the good news is that um, I, I think companies are listening now. And then maybe I'm cynical, but I don't think it is is that the companies are listening. I think it's that the leadership is changing, that um, more and more uh, the millennials, Gen Z are starting to take over the leadership positions. And uh, I think intrinsically, those those are the people who understand it mm -hmm. because they also believe in it. <laughs> that it's, it has to be that yeah. way. And I am yeah. training people like that to, to be in, in those possible, you know, leadership positions, you know, because they have to transform things, right? And then, and then collectively it transforms the world, you know, and th there is no turning back, you know. So, so this, you know, taking old stuff, you know, from, from the past 200 years ago is just nonsense, and you know, on, on that note also, I mean, uh, another trend that we're starting to realize is that in the earth era, what most companies wanted to do was to get as big as possible. So you wanted to have thousands of employees, better still if we've got offices in 19 countries, you know, and then to get yourself listed on as many stock exchanges as you can and get your stock price, you know, very high and that people would, suddenly you're being valued in the billions and billions of dollars, you know, so that that was the holy grail uh, in, in, the, in, in the olden days. Uh, I, I call it the olden days. Now I, I qualify because I'm a millennial. No, I'm just kidding. But, but jokes aside, I mean, I think the, the trend that you see nowadays with a lot of smaller companies and, uh, and the, the, the ones that are being started by increasingly younger entrepreneurs is that, and they will tell you right from the outset that I have no intention of building this into an empire. No intention whatsoever. I love it. Because, because I think it's like, I think we're from a generation that saw that a lot of these companies, you can name them Sony, Panasonic, and uh, Walmart, and a lot of these companies. And, and you know, there's this idea of telling the founder's story. 
And it's usually a fantastic story. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an engineer who decided, I want to build electronics that, that improve people's lives. Or, or somebody who says, oh, we want to build supermarkets that bring groceries to people. And it's a great story. But the thing is, you know, at some point, people like me are looking at it and going like, hey, so when did that, that great, you know, this cause that you had ended and suddenly now it's about your stock price. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly now it's about it's about making your, your products obsolete as quickly as possible so you get consumers back in to buy even more of your product. And this is where you get very disappointed with this idea of entrepreneurship because I thought we started businesses because we wanted to improve the world. And then at some point it became about making your stockholders happy. Yeah. You see, so, so that's where I think um, a lot of people in my generation, because I hang out a lot of entrepreneurs, and it's like we're starting increasingly to talk about how we have no intention ever of listing our companies. We have no intention ever of having 50,000 employees around the world because what can, why would I want a headache like that? You know, I'm dealing with 50,000 dreams and, 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 and aspirations. That's too much for me to bear. That's not freedom. And, and it's not freedom. It's like, that's not why I started my company. I, I didn't do this to be a billionaire. So this is where... about everyone pitching in, basically. Yeah. You know, that's simply the, the solution. Yes. And this is why it's important uh, for us. And I think the biggest game changer, as I said, is, is technology. Because do you really need 50,000 people at factories pressing buttons when you could have very 12, 12 very talented people build a, a mobile app? They could build a piece of software that allows you to bring your good stuff to millions of people around the world, have it translated into many languages at one go. I don't need 50,000 people. I just need 12 fantastic people on my team. That's all I need. And yeah. I and with 12 people, it means that we can sit down to breakfast together. It means yeah. that if someone's got a problem, we deal with it in instantly. Right. If it means that if someone decided that, okay, I don't like where this company is going, that this person can decide on their own terms whether they're staying or they're going. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I, I believe in that. I think it's great that, you know, when you have 50,000 people in your company, you don't know the names of the people you work with. And that bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. Again, to go back to the idea of thriving in this era and how we can be part of the change, part of the solution, instead of resisting it and struggling with it. Can you... Um, well, I think to a large extent, like a lot of the country leaders, let's start with that, um, who are kind of doing a good job with that, have started to really engage uh, more of the youngsters. Uh, to, to the credit of, of the government here in Singapore, I think they've, they've really made an effort, uh, at least a lot more than what I see is happening in lots of countries. It's starting with that. Uh, in terms of being able to survive into this new era, um. I think there are a few themes that are coming up here. I think respecting the individual is, is something that is quite paramount now in the workplace. That I think for the longest time, we've pigeonholed people. There have been a lot of these categories that we put people in. Oh, you're a graduate, you're not a graduate. You know, you're Indian, you're Chinese, you're Japanese. And I think a lot of those borders are starting to, to, fall, to fall apart. And I think the, the new generation are not accepting those boundaries anymore. Or like you're gay, you're transsexual, you're queer. You know, it's like, I, I don't think, I don't think um, those labels are necessarily helpful in, in, in helping people get things done or in, in being able to solve problems. Because the fact is when you start to categorize, and this is another characteristic of the earth era. Because if you, just now you talk about borderless countries. And the thing about earth is that 
the nature of things that are tangible is such that you have a clear boundary between A and B. And if you think about how when the Earth era began, one of the things that as humankind began doing was to draw state lines. So we started drawing, we, there were a lot of treaties. If you look into history, there were a lot of people coming together to sign contracts, treaties and agreements about, okay, this is where the Polish line ends and this is where the Hungarian line begins. You know what I'm saying? And what's the purpose of that? So that you can determine what's yours and what's mine. And if that where, where people pay taxes, it's like, okay, people on this side of the line pay taxes to you and people on this side of the line pay taxes to me. So the whole idea is to, is to, to, de to denote ownership. And I think as we start to, one of the things that's going to dissipate with this air era is this idea of ownership. And this is what's going to bother a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Because, isn't it? I mean, if we want to say, okay, th these are mine people and these are your people, you know? And, and, and this is the reason why uh, a lot of the things that we did in the Earth era was to categorize people. That is like, you know, we put you in this neighborhood and then, okay, your income's above this level, you go in that neighborhood, you know? And as a, as a student in Singapore, I was streamed throughout my entire throughout my entire education uh, experience that you would take an exam and then they would put you in the right class according to the, the class you're in, right? So, and, and I think this bothers a lot of people. So even as we have these borders starting to sort of fall between countries, as, as we discussed earlier, that it's also this idea that if you're going to survive in this new mindset, that we have to let go of uh, things like um, defining people by, by specific profile lines, you know, demographic lines, that kind of nonsense. And, and also uh, this idea that we may not necessarily own things like that anymore. Yeah. It's not about whether this is yours or mine, but it's for everyone to realize that this is ours. Yeah. It's ours. And it's that, um, and if, if we draw lines, then, you know, there's a lot of this, I am not my problem because, you know, that's your problem. You're the one taking the loss anyway. You know, why should I help you? You know, but I think it's more and more people are realizing that if one business falls, it's not good for you either. Yeah. It's not for you. It's not good for you either. It's not good for the industry that then in the olden days, it was like, oh, good. All my competitors are gone. Then now I'm a monopoly. But I think we're starting to realize that nobody wants that stress. In fact, we want everyone to be in on it. So that's, uh, and there's so many problems now that if you know you don't work together and realize that it's ours, then who's gonna help you solve your problem? You know, so yeah. And I think um yeah. So if you ask me, surviving uh, on a very like top level thing is that yeah, these are the two things that really have to happen. Otherwise, uh, we're not gonna survive as a species. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's also a shift about shifting from a scarcity consciousness where we are not enough, I don't have enough, yes, to yes. an abundance mentality, right? So in, in Singapore, what do we say? We call it kiasu, right? Yeah. You know, um, the fear of losing out, right? The fear of losing as well, right? Um, and if, so I, then I go back to my own uh, methodology where, where it's like if you know what's within you, you won't be scared. You will yes, know that yes. even when, let's say, say things diminish, right? Material uh, wealth diminishes. You can create again. You can create the next moment, you know? So you took some time out. So what? Right? You needed it for whatever reason. So what? Right? And, and, and then the, the, the idea too is to, that, that there's more that we can do together than separately, right? But with respect, you know, and genuine care for each other, you know, 
not not the BS sort of, you know, let's do it together, but, you know, I'm going to, you know, stomp all over you or dominate you or control mm. you. You know, that's just nonsense. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I love it. I love it. And and I believe that we will move towards that. You, you, we, you know, it may be that, not it may be, it will be that there is resistance. You know, how much depends, right? And and depends on leaders also how much, let's say, uh, I think we are leaders and I think we can influence people, yeah, right? Yeah. And we don't need every to influence everybody. We just need to influence a critical mass. And we, yeah. when we influence that critical mass, you know, it will spill over. Things will change. Yes, yes. That's what yes. I see. That's what I and counting on basically, man. Yeah, yes, yes. And I, I often think that um at, at least in at least what drives what I do is that uh, I'm not usually very concerned necessarily about um or whether we have like thousands of people in a program or not. Like I of course that would be nice. But at the same time, it's being in the here and now. So yeah. it's like sometimes I, I enjoy myself most when I have 12 people, 15 people. Yeah. In, yeah. in in my class and yeah. it also means that I have so much more scope and space to give to the students and I've also I've also realized that sometimes you know in the earth era it was more like hey you know May's got like a thousand people in, in the class that means she's influencing a thousand minds but yeah. you know it's also me trying to spread myself thin to to try yeah. to get to a thousand people with the with the yeah. stipulated time and that's not always effective if you know what I mean and there that's are times when I really feel that if I just spent my time with 15 amazing, wonderful people yeah. who have been chosen, and, and, and it means that, and we spend that time to, to really give value. It means that each of these 15 people can go out there and potentially over a period of 10 years, 20 years, they're, they're going to do so much better. And, and that's, that's 15,000 people that I could potentially uh, affect yeah. Rather than me trying to do a thousand people at a go, and that's 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 killing myself and not necessarily getting a, a good response out of things. Absolutely. And I think it's 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 a new way of looking at business nowadays. Absolutely. That, yeah, it's it's not it's not the quantity, but it's really the quality that that makes a um, difference in the long run. The other way of thinking is old, it's archaic, in fact, and yeah. it's limited. Okay. The idea is to think big, you know, but you can only do that if you know what's inside, right? You, you know, and everyone has, has this potential inside and it's just untapped. I trust that what May has shared with you about the earth and air eras piques your interest to find out a whole lot more in the highly valuable webinars, which you can view for free on YouTube. Just Google her to find her channel and videos on YouTube. I love the whole idea of humanity moving into what I consider is a higher consciousness where we will be far less focused on the material and more inclined to relax, enjoy life, create social impact, come together to create wonderful things for ourselves, our communities and our world thereby co-creating a whole new world as we rise. May's explanation of the difference between the two eras show us clearly why we need to transform in order to not only survive as a species on Earth without even, have, even having to talk about climate change, 
but to in fact thrive together by growing together and supporting each other. As I repeatedly pointed out in many episodes throughout the year, that collaboration and cooperation are key to our success and well-being. It is way smarter and wiser to come together to create and innovate. While May talks about millennials leading the way with the changes that come with this new way of thinking and being, I find that even some Gen X people need to catch up and not only boomers. There is a dire need to open our minds so much more. And that, to me, is only possible if we know how to open our hearts way more too, for starters. Why? Because so much fear and therefore self-doubt still exists in people about not being enough and not having enough. If you know who you really are, and I take people deep within to meet, know, and increasingly be their true self, their most powerful and wiser self. If you know this self, your greater self, you would be able to go beyond all fears you have. You would think very differently, feel and act very differently. You would think much bigger and come from what I call a higher intelligence, which is way beyond IQ. You will come from a higher mind or a universal mind that thinks in terms of what is true abundance, which includes but goes way beyond material wealth. You will make higher choices that benefit you and others around you. You will have wonderful creative ideas and know how to implement them in a practical way and harness whatever help you need to get them done and create the opportunities to materialize them in the first place. You would be comfortable with not knowing all the answers and would dare to make the necessary changes in order to create the life and business or work results you want you would be so fulfilled to be making a difference and adding value. You would also take good care of yourself, create balance in your own life, and generally enjoy life and have fun more at the same time and have more fun at the same time as contributing towards social impact. Yes, indeed. The air era, which most of us have unknowingly entered into since the 80s and not only a couple of years ago, is the time for us to discover or uncover so much more of ourselves than we have ever done before. There is so much more to us than most people realize and we are being massively supported to be on this path of major transformation of ourselves and our lives. The transformation simply involves the shedding of what we thought was all there is to us and all the limited ideas we have hung on to because we thought we were limited to. This can be a truly wonderful time for all of us if we are keen and conscientious about getting acquainted with the depth and breadth of who we are and committed to making the necessary changes 
within ourselves and in our lives. As I recommended, check out May's Fab webinars and also come join our live Zoom sessions as part of our Transform and Thrive Membership Club where I facilitate shifts for you to do exactly that, transform and thrive greatly at this time, as greatly and quickly as you're truly ready for. I'm a veteran at this. All you need to do is check out our webpage, transformandthrive.club, and sign up there to join us. It has lots of information for you there, and you can write to me at inquiries at lehighs.com. Inquiries is spelt with an I-E-S, and lehighs is one word, L-E-E, H-E-I-S-S, inquiries at lehighs.com for the dates and timing. I keep the group small and give personalized attention and you only pay a monthly fee at a fraction of the fee for one-on-one clients so that I can serve more people at this time, those who want real transformation and will make real changes in their own lives and businesses or organizations, or write to me to have me coach you on a one-on-one basis, whatever suits you best. Uh, With regard to the monthly fee, you pay only when you actually can attend the session for the month. Meanwhile, this is Helen Lee on the Transform and Thrive show, sending you so much love and wishing you endless possibilities of great joy and freedom, peace and abundance at all levels, now and always. Let's create a wonderful, balanced and genuinely caring world together and great fulfillment and dreams come true for ourselves and others. Happy transforming and thriving. You most definitely have the power to do so masterfully and joyously. Thank you for joining me. Your presence is vital and very, very much appreciated. As always, bye for now.